Welcome to The Healthy Me. I'm Trina Felber, registered nurse and CEO of Primal Life Organics. I believe there's a healthy person living in everyone. The Healthy Me is designed to help you call up your healthy self, step out of your comfort zone, shake things up, and get results. So let's find and empower your healthy me. Hey, everybody. Trina here with uh, the Healthy Me podcast. And I'm really excited because this topic is something that's really dear to my heart, um, especially as I get older. And I really feel like my body needs more time to recuperate. And the only way that I can really find downtime anymore is when my head is on a pillow. So I really want to learn how I can own my sleep habits. So I brought Christine Hansen, who I got the pleasure of meeting recently. I think we've actually met twice, but we were recently together. I think so. <laughs> She's going, what? <laughs> were you at the Mindshare two years ago or was this your first one? It was your first no, one. I was a newbie. Oh, so you are the newbie. Okay. So we met once, but I love Christine and she's got some amazing ideas. She is the sleep like a boss woman. So we're going to be talking about how you can sleep like a boss. Let me tell you guys a little bit about Christine. So she is a holistic international sleep expert, speaker, and sleep coach. That's what I, I dream of being a sleep coach. <laughs> she is the creator of the five-step sleep like a boss process, focusing on sleep foundations, gut health, thyroid issues, nutrition, and hormones that help people to fall asleep and stay asleep without having to rely on anything external like sleeping pills. As a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, Spencer Institute certified sleep science coach and nutritional therapist, Christine combines emotional, lifestyle, and biochemical stress management in um, programs for her clients. Her expertise has been featured in numerous international publications, including The Independent, The Guardian, Business Insider, Reader's Digest, Huffington Post, Elite Daily, and Entrepreneur on Fire, and more. Christine is a mom, and she's the number one best-selling author for, of her book, Sleep Like a Boss, The Guide to Sleep for Busy Bosses. And she's an award-winning entrepreneur of the Coupe de Cœur Award of the Creative Young Entrepreneurs Luxembourg Awards. And it's really important to let you guys know that she lives in Luxembourg. <laughs> but she's fluent in English, German, French, and Luxembourgish. Am I saying that right? Yeah. <laughs> Luxembourgish. Ah, yeah. Christine, welcome to The Healthy Me. Well, I'm so glad to be here. I can't wait to be chatting along with you. So really quick, what time of day? Like it's one o'clock Eastern time. It's not the middle of the night. I'm not keeping you up, am I? No, it's 7 p.m. You saved me from my daughter's bedtime. So I have my husband wrestling her down. Oh, I was just thinking we're talking about sleep and it's probably like 1 a.m. for her disrupting no, her okay. sleep. <laughs> oh, well, first of all, tell us why sleep is so important. We all we have all heard that we need to get X amount of sleep a day. Why is it so important? Yeah, so this is a really good question, and especially because uh, it was one that wasn't asked for a very long time. Like research was so behind, they never asked the question why it was important. So it's really only been in the last 30, 20 years that research has really stepped into it. So what the other question would rather be why is sleep not important because they found that is it is literally affecting every single aspect of your body positively 
right? So it is super important for your body in terms of cell generation, your hormone rebalancing, all of that jazz. That's why you heal so much when you're sleeping. And it's also important for your mind. So because you have dreams, it's helping you to um, handle your stress, to make sure that things that didn't make sense during the day, you might be able to organize that, things that upset you to digest that. So it's really the whole 360 package. Awesome. And I know, because I was in the medical field as well, a nurse, and I, you know, the years ago when the residents would have to work 24-hour shifts or whatever they were, 36-hour shifts, I don't remember. The more and the better. Basically. Yeah, basically they were just sleep-deprived and walking zombies and trying to take care of people. And cognitively, it, it, like the end of their shift, they were worthless, which I could totally understand. Like I know when I'm sleep-deprived, because I've done the 36 hours without sleep, and you just feel absolutely miserable. There's nothing more that you can say. Your body craves sleep. It needs it. It's regenerative, like you said. Your mind can actually problem solve and restore itself. So, um, but how does how does sleep work? How does it work? So there's different things that belong to sleep. So the number one thing I would talk about is probably um, why we are actually sleeping. So what is triggering our sleep and then the structure of sleep itself. So the first part of why we actually go to sleep is because of two factors and they are completely independent of each other, which I find fascinating. So you have your circadian rhythm or your biological clock and you have your sleep pressure. So the biological clock is a little bit light dependent, right? So your body is reacting to light. It's also reacting to body temperature. And your sleep pressure is basically a hormone that keeps rising and rising and rising throughout the day, making you feel tired in the evening. Similar to like hunger, you know, where you when you eat, you're back to zero and then it starts building up. And it's with sleep, it's the same. You sleep, you're at zero and then it's building up. So that would be why we start to get tired and why we drift into sleep. And then the second part of it is that sleep is not one chunk. Sleep is um, divided into sleep cycles. So you basically join one cycle to the next and one cycle is around 90 minutes and an adult has around four to five sleep cycles. And within each sleep cycle, we have different phases. And nowadays we talk about uh, light sleep, deep sleep and REM sleep. And each of these has a certain purpose. Deep sleep is where most of your body work is being done. So you can imagine that like having your car going into maintenance every day. And then the REM sleep is where the mind healing takes place. So everything has its purpose. And these phases have different lengths in each cycle. Um, what happens though, is that some people are really great at joining those cycles one to another. So they will wake up in between, but it might just be like for a second. They might just turn around, adjust their pillow, maybe have a glass of water and don't even realize or sip of water and don't even realize that they're awake. And other people have a little bit more problems joining those together. Really quick. Um, when you're talking about the sleep cycles, when people take a sleeping pill or medication that causes them to sleep, like um, pain medicine and things like that, does that put them in a certain or keep them out of a certain sleep cycle? So like they're never in the reparative, they're always in this? Yeah, so the body takes whatever it really needs, right? But it does influence a deep sleep because a sleeping pill is going to sedate certain areas in your brain and that can actually be different from person to person by the way but it's basically more of a sedation 
So what happens very often, though, is that when people have anxiety and struggle to fall asleep, sleeping pills can help them to just calm down and then they will slip into natural sleep at some point. However, I find that people who really have more than that, they will still wake up after three hours and they're going to be absolutely exhausted. So it's not going to give you the same regenerative sleep as the natural thing. It's just not doable to duplicate that. But at the same time, when I work with people who are dependent on sleeping pills and they're so scared that they are, you know, literally on the brink of death because they never get true sleep, then, you know, your body takes really great care of you. You know, it's going to just pluck what it needs to survive. Doesn't mean that it's healthy, though. Yeah. What are some of the reasons people don't um, know why they're not sleeping well or why would there be reasons people aren't sleeping well? So I think when people Google, why am I not sleeping? <laughs> most of the time. The number one Google answer is. <laughs> it probably is. Um, but Which I've never done to inspire myself, obviously. But um, usually what you get as an answer is that it's habit related most of the time. So you either have sleep disorders, which is really where I'd say go to a sleep clinic. You need to have this checked out, like sleep apnea or restless leg. Um, those are things where you have to get a sleep science doctor really look at you and also look at what is going on with you in terms of like the physical, uh, physiological stuff. But afterwards, the only thing that is usually talked about is habits and sleep hygiene. So bedtime routines, blue light, all of these things that are like these exterior impactors, which can absolutely be the cause but what nobody really tends to look at is that your body is also connected to sleep so sleep is not just your mind it's not just outside influences it's very often something that's within you so what I find um, is a very common problem with my clients I would say 80% of the time is that they have thyroid issues so the thyroid is a huge factor so it's one of the first things that I check out and then hormone imbalances usually go hand in hand because they live a very stressed life, plus not enough sleep is not leading to the regeneration. So their body is basically breaking down and you have everything a little bit deregulated. So that has a huge impact. And then because that is happening, your gut is basically being under attack all the time. So leaky gut and parasites that are nocturnal, by the way, so they have a great time in the middle of the night those keep my clients awake as well. So it's really things that nobody's really thinking that much about. And then it's nutrition. Uh, but I think a lot of, actually a lot of my clients have pretty good nutrition, which is even more frustrating because they think they're doing everything right. And then it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. Yeah, it could be more physiologic. Um, it's, with, both. With, it's, it's both. It's really both. Yeah. Because if you're physiological weak, it's difficult to do, be resilient. And if you're not resilient, you are stressed and you're going to attack your body. So it's it's really the two. What's your method of working with people about their sleep? What, what types of things do you do? So I really do like a 50-50 program. 50% of the time it's geeking out on science. So we will look at the test results and we will have protocols and supplements to help them rebalance the body. And 50% it's just them. Right. So where we talk about their lifestyle, what's going on in terms of uh, their life in general, what's their relationship like, if they want to do that, or I give them different tools that they can try and see what works best for them. But a lot of the time it's about figuring out 
who you actually are, which sounds very weird, but we tend to be super harsh with ourselves. And we tend to have these voices in our heads that are not really ours, that are dominating our life and not really letting us be who we are. And once you get that done, it's a whole new world, right? <laughs> the sleep just happens. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Like it's, sleep is usually one of the first things that comes back. Afterwards, they're like, but I'm still like having my tummy rumbling at 3 a.m. or something like that. Or like I still need this tree and that tree because it's fun. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, talk a little bit about caffeine and sleep because I know a lot of people you get that probably that hormone that rises, you know, I don't know when it peaks, but I'm sure around 3 p.m. in the afternoon, it's it's up there pretty good. And your, your energy level is coming down at that same point. So Starbucks has their logo everywhere. And you just stop there. And you're like, give me a grande whatever, or a venti if it's one of those days. And, you know, then you try, you know, you should get eight hours of sleep. So you try to go to bed by nine or 10. So talk about caffeine and sleep. <laughs> yeah, I love that topic, really, because once you understand, it makes so much sense. So let me geek out on here. Geek a little bit. out, yeah. Let's do this. So when I talked before about sleep pressure, see how I prepared that, you have a hormone that's called adenosine. That's the hormone that is basically creating that sleep pressure and that is rising and Coincidentally, around 2, 3 a.m., we have also a drop in our body temperature, which is making us feel more tired. So it doesn't really have to do with your food because when you eat too much, you're going to say, oh, it's because I ate too much. And if you didn't eat anything, it's just, oh, I'm so weak. So it doesn't have to do with your food that much. So it really has to do a lot with sleep pressure building plus a drop in temperature. Now, the interesting thing is that the molecules between adenosine and caffeine are very, very similar. So what is happening is your hormone is coming along, your adenosine is building up, and it has a little receptor that it needs to dock onto. Now, caffeine is kind of the big bully, and it's basically blocking that connection. So adenosine basically has to wait until your caffeine molecules are being flushed away through your liver. And the speed at which that happens is very individual. It's a genetic kind of predisposed enzyme that is either very good at getting rid of your caffeine uh, molecules very quickly, or it will take a little bit more time. So for some, it will be bah, just a little peak and then it's going to be fine. And for some, it will take a long time to get rid of those bullies, so to say. So what is happening, though, is your adenosine is not going to stop being produced. So it basically it's piling up in front, you know, waiting for caffeine to make its way out. And once it does, you get this backlash, you know, all of these, these adenosine molecules waiting, ducking at the same time, and you're going to get another crash, which is why so many people go from coffee to coffee to coffee. Um, and that would be why, because you feel even worse, right? And that's also why I love power naps, for example, because they will actually help you to rejuvenate. So they're going to help you to get that adenosine a little bit down versus caffeine that's really just stopping you from becoming more miserable, let's put it that way, yeah, or making jittery. <laughs> you're not going to stop making the adenosine. It's going to continue. Um, do you sometimes make more than others? I'm assuming some, like when you're exhausted or when you've had a lot of stress, you might make more than other, other times, and then you'll, that's why you feel more exhausted some days than others. I'm assuming that's how it works with your body. The thing is, you usually when you sleep well your adenosine levels start at zero however if you didn't get enough sleep you already have a certain a level that's up. 
Present, exactly. So it's like a backpack that already has a brick in it that you didn't get rid of last night. And so that's what we call sleep debt. Yeah. What about those people that say, I only need three hours of sleep a night? Do you believe them? No. (laughs) That's not enough time. That's Yeah, I could tell. That's not enough time to repair, right? It's not enough time to repair. And the interesting thing is that they don't even know how underperforming they are let me put it that way so there was just an article we're now September 2018 so there was just an article released very recently uh, in Fast Company by a study that was looking at people who were sleep deprived for two days in a row and then people who were sleep deprived or who were basically woken up after six hours of sleep and obviously the people you know you talked about the doctors after two days they were like exhausted they were asking them to do simple tasks math questions was super hard for them focus was such a pain like physical pain even and um the six hour people did well for 10 days and afterwards their cognitive performance was the same as those who had two hours of sleep deprivation the big difference was though that the six hour people didn't notice they thought they were fine but when they were tested on their cognitive performance it had radically dropped and that's the danger of this chronic sleep deprivation where people think i can do great on six hours or five hours of sleep and they don't even notice that they are much slower and what is worse that their potential is not even there and they you know they just don't know so when it's you survive but that doesn't mean you are living you know I, it was an eye-opener for me when I started using some different um, devices that track your sleep. So, like, there's a bunch of them out there. I had one that was on my bed, and it would track how much I slept. And, you know, you've got them on your phones and all sorts of things. But what was an eye-opener to me was I would go to bed at a certain time, and on my clock, I would get eight hours of sleep. But on my device, I only had six or six and a half And I was shocked because I'm like, well, I'm going to bed and I feel like I'm falling asleep right away. But it didn't dawn on me that that really wasn't I really wasn't falling asleep that quickly. And so for me, it's like, oh, my gosh, to get eight hours of sleep, I really need to be in bed for nine hours. Right. Like, do you recommend devices like that? Do you think they're helpful for people or no? She's like, oh, no. I could probably get a great sponsorship deal out of this, but no, actually, I don't. You don't reckon, reckon, recommend them. Why? It it really depends on how you use them. But in general, I find they stress people out so much more. And here's the truth. We sleep differently, right? The only time when every human being, except for some with a sleep disorder, are paralyzed when sleeping is during our REM phase. During all the other phases, we move, you know, like some move more, some move less. I sleep like a stone. Like when people go on holiday with me, they freak out. They're like, you just lie down and you wake up exactly the same way. I'm kind of like that too. I'm very similar to that. Right? But you have other people who just move a lot, you know, so they breathe differently and it, it depends on so many different factors. So, and also sleep is not, you're not unconscious, you actually react to things. You react to noises, you react to movements, you react to your pets. You know, it's the newborn baby is going to wake you up when it's just like, but you have a huge truck rolling by and you just sleep. So, you know, it's not an unconscious state. So that's why I think these trackers can be super subjective because they don't know 
you know, and um, I just think that goes more to real sleep study than a gadget like that. I just, that's why I'm, I'm torn. I might say to someone who, who goes to bed too little to try it because usually it tells you that you sleep less than you do to freak them out. Right. But otherwise I would never suggest them to anyone who's already worried about their sleep. Never. Gotcha. Perfect. Um, I don't use one right now, but I, in my mind, I know that I, I don't fall asleep right away. So getting like when I'm going to bed and I know I have to get up in eight hours, I know I'm only going to probably end up with seven hours of good sleep, which is okay. I'm okay with that. That's okay. Absolutely. And that's my other thing. Eight hours is just because, you know, if you have five sleep cycles, that's more or less the average seven and a half. Actually, recommending seven, you still recommend like the recommended is really seven to nine is like. Yes. Yes. So for me, it's really, do you wake up and you feel really great? You've got it. Yeah. And what I've often, I haven't done this. I I do it occasionally when I'm really feeling exhausted, even after eight hours of sleep. Um, And especially after a trip, like after going Mm. somewhere, I will sleep until I wake up at least once. You know what I mean? Because that can reset your body, even if it's on a weekend. Um, sleep, you know, obviously if you have young, young children, that doesn't work very well. I remember those years of being sleep deprived all the time, you know, but when you can (laughs) set the date that, you know, once a week or whatever it is to sleep until your body wakes up and then, you know, you're sort of on track. And if you can do that once a week, I know that makes me feel so much better. Absolutely. And I think you have to be gentle with yourself too. You know, it's just not doable sometimes. And I just had a client walking out of here who was really anxious about his bedtime. And especially he doesn't, let's say he last weekend, he had a very romantic dinner with his girlfriend, but he was freaking out because he was like, we need to get home. I need to go to bed. If I don't go to bed on time, I will have so much more trouble falling asleep. I'd be so tired because I have to wake up. And so, you know, basically when he has dinner, like a lush, amplest dinner, he's going to have trouble falling asleep for two, three hours, which is not unusual. It really depends on your digestion, you know. So when you have that, it's just don't plan anything the next morning and just take it slow. Maybe even plan for a nap time in the afternoon. That's totally fine. But you're right. You know, it's like sleeping in once a week. It gives you a little bit of this jet lag syndrome, but I'm totally for it if it's once a week. And really, sometimes it's really, you, your body will wake up 15 minutes after you would have set your alarm for anyway, but that 15 minutes mm-hmm. means that that's what your body oh. needed. So yes. it, and it doesn't mean sleeping till noon, like, you know, <laughs> no. every day. I find you can't do that anymore. Like, I used I, to be I, so good at that when I was a teen, and now sometimes when our daughter isn't there, we're like, we can sleep, and it's like at 9 a.m. We're like, well. <laughs> I know, and then you're angry. You're like, what? <laughs> I know. But she's gone. I know. Uh, Christine, I'm so glad you joined us. I know you have a course or a, the that they can listeners can go to. Tell them about that because we'll have the link um, in the information. Yes. So I'm super proud of this because I developed this course because you know in one-on-one coaching is not necessarily for everyone. So I developed my whole method into an online course that you can access at Teachable. So the link will be there. And you basically have short video lessons. I love short. So everything is around 15 minutes. It's five modules, the five pillars that I build my business on. And it's basically me teaching you exactly why I use each pillar so that you understand what your body is telling you. And it has protocols, shopping lists, supplement suggestion. It has... uh, um, 
sleep hygiene tips. It actually also has a bonus where you have a two-week program um, that is helping you with new nutrition, with shopping lists, meal plans, everything included. That's just the bonus. So essential oils, pretty much everything. So it's a fantastic course. Any little nuggets that you can give us for parents, and I'm talking younger kids, maybe not newborns because that's almost impossible, but like the age group of three to seven where they don't want to go to bed, you know, that age group. Any little nuggets of, you know. Yes, it's (laughs) tough, people. Like I'm right in there. But I think as, let's say a baby from three months up to 12, most likely one of the key things is not to let them get too tired. Like an tired, overwired kid has basically a cortisol spike. So it feels like they have this scratchy grandma jumper on and it's just too tight. And even though they're tired, they can't sleep because they have a cortisol rush when they're overtired. And that's, forget it there's no way that your kid is going to sleep don't even try like literally when I I know when that happens to our daughter which is like when she has this little cat nap just before Uh, when you're in the car and you're like no yeah yeah that that fear (laughs) I know I know what's coming I know it's just I'm gonna let her play until 10 because there's no way she's going to sleep you know so sometimes you just have to yeah (laughs) compromise but that would be number one don't let them get overtired yeah Perfect. All right, Christine. I appreciate you coming on so we can all sleep like a boss. That's like, I want to sleep like it's my job sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very good at it. <laughs> I am too. I love sleep. I love power naps. I don't get as many as I would love to have, um, but it's, it's so awesome to be able to um, take that rest off your body and your mind. So thanks for joining me. And guys, we'll have the links uh, or the link for her um, course that you can go check that out in the copy. So check, uh, check for that. And thanks for joining us here on The Healthy Me. Trina here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to The Healthy Me podcast and be sure to rate it and review it on iTunes or wherever you're listening. You can like the Healthy Me Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at thehealthyme underscore com. Remember, the info on the Healthy Me podcast is not to be taken as medical advice. You should always talk with your doctors before trying anything we discuss. Until next time, live in your Healthy Me.